Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Right, here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for joining on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you. But let's get right to it. Our NBA outsiders are here, the whole crew, all four of us, and nowhere else to start than the longest tenured Subway Sports. Actually, we're all the same amount of tenure on Subway Sports Talk. The longest tenured sports blog New York podcast host, John Lucas Duffy. What's up, dog? What up, what up? Hear that, Frank? I got seniority. Don't piss me off. <laughs> I thought Frank was going to say something, but he just gave you a chuckle like, yeah, whatever. Frank, <laughs> Frank Villani, what's up, man? I, I just gave him a chuckle because I'm not concerned. You know, he's got more time than me, but my title's higher. So, you know, what, what can he really do? I don't know. I, well, I guess we'll find out as the pod goes on. And last but not least, Kyle Anderson, what's up, man? What's going on? You know, I'm just kind of just in the middle of this, you know, just letting <laughs> – Duffy and Frank duke it out, you know, hopefully, you know, they, they'll kill themselves off and I'll, uh, you know, I'll be the <laughs> I don't know if this job is safe because it's either Frank and I is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, I don't, I don't think you even know about the Frank Duffy rivalry that existed in the early years of this podcast, because something happened over the two years where we were doing it or year, whatever, however long it was where they started seeing eye to eye on more stuff. And I don't know if it was good for the pot or bad for the pot. It was probably a mixture of both. But when we first started, there was a real Frank versus Duffy narrative that I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> and I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they're, they're real civil no, nowadays. Not, not at all, because, uh, you know, from at least my first episode on, I was like, oh, man, everything's all good. Like, you know, <laughs> everybody's agreeing. Sometimes we don't. You know, if we don't, it's all good. But, you know, it's, it's always good to know. That's, that's good information. Sometimes we made a lot of progress. It's, it's, I think it's like the less FaceTime, you know? That's back, true. back when I used to see his face, it just sometimes it'd make me mad. <laughs> used to be like, like you know, stuff like. Distance, Frank was sensitive. He had to, his neck hurt. He had to look up so much higher than where he was. He was so damn short. Dude, oh, Frank. Six, I'm 6'3, six bro. I got another inch. You're 6'3, I'm 7 foot. <laughs> 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 All right, yo, SST, Subway Sports Talk. This is going to be great. I can feel the energy already on this episode. Uh, and quick housekeeping, just so you guys are aware of what's going on. We obviously, we came out with an episode yesterday on baseball, Mets, Yankees. We even talked Knicks. I don't know if you guys caught that, but Alec and I, you know, stepped on the basketball ground a little bit, and we covered some Knicks stuff yesterday, which we're, we're not going to get into here. This is all about the bubble. Uh, but we're going to talk about the bubble MVP, our all-bowl. Actually, Duffy's all-bubble team. We're going to discuss that. And some other stuff going on in the bubble, including some shout-outs at the end for people who probably aren't going to make the all-bubble team but deserve some love, uh, and it's going to be great fun. And then tomorrow night, after the Portland Trailblazers game is up and we know what's going to go down with the playing game and the eight seed, et cetera, Duffy and I, and if anyone else is available, we're going to jump in for a mini-pod to release on Friday to talk about the play-in situation, the eight seed, and, and some various NBA playoff topics. It's going to be very, very fun, but... There's really only one place to start when it comes to this episode right now that we are recording and you are listening to. It's about Dame Lillard, Devin Booker, and the bubble MVP. There has been a number of phenomenal performances in the bubble. 
offensively. Obviously, Dame and Devin have just been lighting it up, and the world knows it. But other than that, we got Luka and KP averaging over 60 points combined a game. Like, there's just some crazy performances going on. And that's what we're here to talk about right now. Bubble MVP. Duff, is it as simple as it is to say? Like, is it this simple? A two-man race? No ends, ifs, or buts? It's Dame versus Devin, and and that's it? Uh, I think so, because they have been playing... I, to me, they've been the two best players. You might be able to sprinkle in some TJ Warren, maybe some Kristaps Porzingis. But it's been so meaningful. Like for a lot of these teams, the games don't mean anything for seeding purposes and matchup purposes, but home court advantage doesn't even matter. So it's just like who you want to play against. And for the Blazers and the Suns, it's like we don't care who we play against. We know we're going to get the Lakers. We just want to get there, you know? And so th- these games really mattered more to them than to anyone else, and they've risen to the occasion. Suns obviously are 7-0 seven, seven and oh at this point, and, and tomorrow night, or tonight, I guess when this episode comes out, Thursday night, the Blazers, if they win, they clinch the eight seed. So they'll at least lock in their position for the play-in game. To me, that's why... It's it's all about those two right now because they're playing at the top of the at the top of the bubble and they're playing the most meaningful games. So yeah. it's like their playoffs have already started. We discussed this coming in, right? Who were the most important teams in the bubble, right? Who what did it matter? What mattered? What didn't matter? Who was going to try? Who's not going to try? These are things uh, that we've been talking about over the past couple weeks. Now, there's no other way to skin the cat. These games mattered so much more to Portland, Phoenix, Memphis, San Antonio, so much more. And we made the mistake of not including Phoenix, not including San Antonio in our discussion fighting for that eight seed. You know, we hyped up the Pelicans. We gave the Grizzlies a fighting chance, which they're still alive. They're still alive. We're not going to count them out just yet because it only takes one more win for them to be in that play-in tournament. Uh, And those games just matter so much more than, you know, the Rockets going from six to five or five to four or whatever it is. And, and, And that's just non-negotiable. So when you talk bubble MVP, it's a two-horse race. It's Dame, it's Devin, and uh, and that's just it. Like So, Kyle, I'll go to you first. You don't have to make your pick right now about you know who you're going to take for bubble MVP. Just how impressed and how much fun have you had watching these two dudes ball? It's a lot of fun just seeing guys literally just take over, you know, and just take over their situation. And both of them were fighting for a spot coming into the bubble. And at least in Devin Booker's case, we weren't really thinking of the Suns coming into this 8-9 seed. We were really talking about the Blazers and the Grizzlies potentially, you know, um, making, you know, kind of making that that run for that 8-9 game and then playing the Lakers eventually. Um, seeing him really just take over every game and lead his team to seven victories right now, be 7-0, and the only undefeated team in the bubble, is really impressive. And then, you know, not to sell anyone short by any means is Damian Lillard. Like his, his performances so far have been nothing less than remarkable just because he is doing the same thing, taking over and, you know, he, he's 61 and 50, you know, two nights at two games in a row and both after, you know, that, that kind of riffraff like between uh, PG and uh, Pat Beverly on, on Instagram and, just goes to show that you know don't wake up that that sleeping dog like he's like all right you know what i'll i'll take over now you know i'll, I'll prove to you why you know i am who i am and and what i've done in this league so far 
Uh, that was big brain. That was big brain by the Clippers because now Dame's going to be walking in the playoffs against the Lakers with a chip on his shoulder. So, so they pissed him off. So he takes it on LeBron. Yeah, and and you know what? They were they were out of it before I guess all this happened. So you know, I guess he's he's got no choice. Like he's got to ball out and you know get in somehow. But you know, like we talked about, you know, and I guess we can pat ourselves on the back you know, again, with, you know, saying that the Blazers were going to get in and potentially they are, but if they get into the first round, I think I said the last pod, if they get in with the, with the Lakers, don't be surprised if it goes six or seven games. I really do. Absolutely. Um, so just quick note, I, I agree for the most part, I think it's got to go to Dame, uh, the back-to-back performances after missing those two big free throws. Um, that's just like, that's why we watch sports, pretty much. I don't know. Easy to cheer for a guy who's going up against all the noise and just puts his head down and goes. Um, but you know there's some saltiness the other way right there because he sent James – not James Harden, sorry. He sent um, Patrick Beverly home with Houston on a buzzer beater in the playoffs. I believe buzzer he beater, that series walk-off winner. Yeah, and he did the same to Paul George. So those are just two salty dudes. Seeing another man ball out and being like, damn, I don't like that guy. <laughs> yeah, and what, yeah. Yeah, what well, you I, I was just going to say, it's it's like really on brand for Patrick Beverly, right? Like, it's so on yeah. brand. He talks smack to Russell Westbrook when Russell Westbrook is literally in a different league than him, right? Like, he yeah. Patrick Beverly's brand is being a rascal. That Like, that's a terrible word, like a really PG I word see. to use. But he's a dead ass. Yeah, he's a pest. Like he's a rascal. He's gonna get in your skin. He's gonna piss you off. He's gonna do any little thing possible to get an edge. So it makes so much sense that that Pbev is doing what he's doing. Paul George needs to like look at his resume a little bit. He hasn't had a good playoff showing since twenty like fourteen. You know what I mean? Since he and, dunked on Birdman, dude. Yeah. So like since Paul George hasn't done it in the playoffs and playoff playoff P or playoff Paul George. Like that's a thing that got said for a a big chunk of time and then got turned into a slight joke when he couldn't get the job done. Like you got to know where you're standing right now. Like nobody's putting you on the top five MVP ballot right now. Actually, that's not true. Paul George was literally on the MVP ballot last year. So that's kind of messed up, I guess, but no one is, is looking at (laughs) Paul George and, and saying, yo, you're a surefire top 10, like, possibly best at your position in the league. Like people are saying Dame Lillard's the best PG in the league. People are saying Dame Lillard's top seven in the league. They're not saying it about Paul George and you got sent home last year. So you got to be careful what you, what, where you're going to, what you're going to bite off and see if you can chew it. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. I'm PG's mom, I'm keeping him away from Pat Beverly. I'm saying you're running with the wrong crowd. This ain't you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hang out with that <laughs> Go hang out with that nice boy who likes wings. Go hang out with him. Stay away from that Peebo. That is like, dude, funny. It was pretty funny seeing Paul George like kind of revert all this, all the comments he made on Instagram. Immediately. Like, I don't know if you saw like that, his, his IG story. And he was like, you know, I've had six, six surgeries and I'm still standing. <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Like he might as well have said like, yo, back in 86, like I was nice. Like I was really that dude in high school. Like, Dude, no one, unfortunately, like, I don't, I don't want to be a jerk, but like. This is inner J. Cole. Yeah, you, you're, you're not, no one cares. Like, not no one cares, but it's. It's, it's a part of the game. You're, you're, you're on the floor, right. It's part of the game. You're on the floor. Now you have to compete. 
And unfortunately, when you lost a Dame last year, you lost. Like, that's just the way it is. So now he has to prove himself again. And, and here's a Clippers aside. You just made me think of this. Paul George and P-Bev doing what they're doing with this situation now and whether they apologize or not, they're they're following Kawhi Leonard, right? So, like, PG is 1B or 2, whatever you want to call him. It's Kawhi and whatever else happens after that. Yeah, he's 2, sure. I You know, whatever you want to argue there. Last year, the Raptors just embodied Kawhi. Quiet, confident, get the job done, don't mess around, have fun when you're supposed to have fun, be serious when you're supposed to be serious. They and weren't even allowed to high-five in the tunnel, bro. For real. They were quarantining before this shit even happened. Like, that Raptors team just followed that lead and that that just calmness that Kawhi carried, and that helped so much with their chemistry and what they are able to do on the court and, and how they just continuously, you know, showed up in big moments. Like, if the Clippers are, are not locked in, they're not looking that great right now. Like, they need to be focused, like – uh, it, it was just it was a tough look for PG, but he got enough smack from everybody in the media. He don't he don't need too much more than us. Let's talk about Dame and Devin Booker real quick. I'm just going to run off some stat lines uh, for the two of them, so you guys can then start debating. Uh, I think Frank already showed his hand. We'll start talking about who is the bubble MVP now. Obviously, the Suns are currently seven and zero. The Blazers are five and two. There is one more game, so we're allowed to change these opinions because this one game obviously matters. Yeah, a, a wait ton. and. and- Hold up before we get into this. I just want to let the people know if you're so if you're listening to, mm-hmm. to this uh, pod before the games tomorrow, here are the scenarios. I just want to read those off. You didn't you didn't talk about that, right, Pete? No, I thought you might have, but go ahead. Now nah, here we go. So uh, so Thursday night, if the Blazers win, uh, they clinch the eight seed. Um, the Grizzlies will make the plan if they they beat the Bucks. Or the Suns, Spurs, Blazers all have to lose. So they control their own destiny. They have to win. But if they lose, they essentially will get knocked out unless everybody else loses too. The Spurs will make it if they beat the Jazz, and then they need two of the Blazers, Suns, or Grizzlies to lose, any two of them. And then the Suns will make it if they beat the Mavs, and then they need one of the Grizzlies or Spurs to lose. So everyone needs help. Everybody got that? (laughs) Yeah, everyone needs help except for the Blazers and Grizzlies. Basically, Blazers, Grizzlies, if they win, they're in. Everyone else needs help. Perfect. So that's good to know. And that's why this last game totally matters when trying to figure out who is our bubble MVP. Uh, And quick stat line here, Dame Lillard. Team is 5-2, 37 points on 23 shots per game, 48%. He's also shooting 12 threes a game, by the way. Just going to let you sit on that one for a second. But he's also averaging four and a half rebounds, over nine assists, and a steal and a half per game. And then for Devin Booker, we got 31 points a game on 20 shots. He's only taken six threes a game, uh, shooting 35%. Dame's 40% on three. I didn't mention that part. Um, Devin Booker with six assists and four rebounds. And obviously, he's been electric closing out games for Phoenix. So whoever wants to jump in now, I don't really care. Dame versus Devin Booker. That's what it's all about. Who who has been more impressive, and who's your bubble MVP, guys? Uh, I'll go first because, kind of like you said, I kind of showed my hand a little early. But uh, it's got to be Dame Dalla and Portland. Considering where they started when the whole bubble began to where they are now, um, to put themselves in a position to control their own destiny, which Jeff just highlighted, not all these teams have that luxury. Um Dame's got to do it one more time, get his team into the playoff playoff game, and we've all seen what he could do there. So, got to be Dame. For, for me, I think 
um, I would choose uh, Devin Booker. And I think my the reasoning why is kind of actually has to do with Dame a little bit and, and the Blazers. Before I get into that, I just want to say that, like, you know, before they got into the bubble, they were the 11th or 12th seed, I'm pretty sure. And they were pretty down low, you know, obviously in the seeding, and they had to play all the way up and win all these games to get into the 8-9, even just have a chance that they have right now. And I think that giving them, you know, the opportunity to just be in games was Devin Booker. And obviously he wound up closing all these games. And I think not to discount what Damian Lillard did, but pretty much Devin Booker has won every single one of these games. And Lillard has had the help of, you know, Melo has hit like two big shots and two separate games to help him win these games. So I think that kind of comes into it. Um, you know, Devin Booker has really pretty much won every single game for the, for the Suns. And, you know, like I said, not discounting what Damian Lillard did, but Devin Booker's situation coming into the bubble was a little bit tougher and, you know, kind of way out of the the realm of, you know, him even having a chance to get into the 8-9 game as opposed to the Blazers who really had a pretty good chance, you know, with, you know, the help of C.J. McCollum and Carmelo Anthony. And, and like I said, it's not to discount. It's really like, you know, like you're really picking at it. But I really think that, you know, Devin Booker just kind of went above and beyond um, with his situation. I actually, I agree with you, Kyle. Because I am partial to Devin Booker, personally, obviously. But when we were talking about the Blazers and right before the bubble started, we were thinking of them as the favorite to actually make the playoffs and be the eighth seed. And they have put themselves in the proper position to do that. And it wasn't easy. It was an uphill battle. They did not control their own destiny. But they were the most talented team in this in of this four team grouping that we're talking about now. They are certainly the most talented team. Uh, whereas the Suns, they shouldn't have even been in this discussion. Like who? I don't know what Monty Williams is telling his players that's got him that's got them like all jacked up and ready to go for for these games. But I'm super impressed with just this mini growth spurt that the Suns have had, and I hope they really carry it over in the next year. And I hope Monty Williams stays there. I hope they get a good draft pick. I hope they continue to have this solid uh, continuity and, and really just build on this momentum going into next year. Now that they have Cam Johnson, they have campaign, like they, it's just really kind of these dudes have elevated in front of our eyes. Whereas Kyle said the talent on the Blazers was always there for Dame. I mean, look, I'm not trying to slight Dame. I know he's going to get mad and tweet at me after this, but I, I I feel like our cup has kind of like run run over runneth over here with between Dame and Devin Booker. There's really not a wrong answer. You take Dame. I'm not going to argue with you, but I just personally am excited about the prospect of Devin Booker winning an award, even if it's not a real MVP and it doesn't actually matter. Plus, I know if Dame loses it, he's going to fight that much harder against the Lakers and LeBron. So I'm off <laughs> that. that's that's. Awesome. Some if you ask Devin Booker, though, he might tell you that strawberries are the MVP. You guys see that at elaborate. all? Yeah, please elaborate. 
Well, I don't, I don't know exactly the whole story behind it, but they there's a post on social media and he commented on it or said something after a game like, I like strawberries, and then Kendall Jenner or whichever one he's dating or seeing, like, commented on the post with a strawberry. So people are, like, saying, you know. He's dating Kendall Jenner now? Maybe. Yeah, that's, I think. His, that's his girl. Yeah. yeah. Apparently so, they, like. That's why Ben Simmons got hurt. Over <laughs> uh, like went on like a road trip or something like that. Yo, big big brain, big brain is Ben Simmons getting hurt on purpose just to leave the bubble and go get his girl back. Go get his girl back. <laughs> Everyone thought Dame was mad at PG and P Bev's. Not he's Ben Simmons is really who he's talking about. <laughs> that's bad, funny. I did not see the strawberry situation, Frank. But that is uh, that's some good NBA insight that I that we needed for this discussion. That's, I think that's like the the kind of stuff only the NBA outsider is bringing. You know what I mean? Yeah, bro. That's what you get when you come here. <laughs> but <laughs> when you talk about the MVP situation during the regular season and you know, we pick apart, you know, whose team was helping, like, Kyle, to Kyle's point, Melo hit some big shots. I mean, at the same token, Cameron Payne has been playing damn good, and who the hell saw that coming? Cam Johnson's been sick. Mikel Bridge has been sick. DeAndre Ayton's looking really good. So, you know, if you could really argue both sides of the coin on, on that specific there. But that's what we would do if we were talking MVP for a regular season, right? I also think this is a perfect example as to why all the media members who vote for awards are pissed that these eight games didn't count. Because, uh, Duff, you said you would, you're hyped to see Devin Booker getting any award. If these eight games count for all NBA teams, who, like there's a much, much, much higher chance that Devin Booker is an all-third-team NBA, uh, all NBA guy. So Yeah, a lot of people were saying, they, Bill Simmons, Zach Lowe, a bunch of, bunch of people like that said they would have replaced Ben Simmons with Devin Booker. Right, and it sucks to take just eight games to change a whole season's worth, but... These games matter the most, which is what Kyle was saying. Like, and I think Duff probably said the same thing. The Suns had all the odds against them. They had such a hard road to get there. They've won every game, and they could win another game and still not make it. They can go undefeated in the bubble and not make the playing game because the Blazers did as good as they did, and the Grizzlies, you know, didn't lose every did game. well enough. Yeah, they didn't lose every single game. So that sucks, but... That's why we have the right to change this based off of what happens. Uh, I just think if Damian Lillard and the Blazers get to the eight seed, lock it up, make the playing tournament, whatever, and and they 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 get to they get the job done of what they needed to, it, it's hard to not give it to Damian Lillard. The usage, what he's had to do, what he's just consistently brought game in, game out. He's been getting to the free throw line ten times a game. Like that's James Harden level. So is De- uh, Luka Doncic, but Devin Booker's getting just under at nine. So. What Dame is doing, the consistency, the fire, uh, the clutch shots, the the come down with the missed free throws against the Clippers, and the comeback is the narrative uh, that drives MVP voting. And, like, I, I just have to give it to, to Damian Lillard because I think his team is going to make it. And this has to do with team success. And despite the Suns' incredible effort, Devin Booker's incredible effort, uh, we all argued, why are the Suns even going to this bubble? And look at them now. So shouts to Devin Booker, but my bubble MVP is Damian Lillard. Let's go. And also, the last thing I'll say, actually, I have one more, one more thought. Dame Lillard, uh, everything, everything runs through him, and I know a lot runs through Devin Booker. But you can argue that you know without the likes of Ricky Rubio and and a good bench unit, surprisingly for the Suns, 
you know, like this seven and O thing is not possible, but you know, Nurkic has been awesome, but this five and two thing for the Blazers is possible because of Dame Lillard, no matter what. So that's part, that's part of my yeah, argument you, there too. You make good points. Yeah, man, you made good points about Aiden also Aiden and, and uh, you know, Bridges and Cam Johnson, like a lot of guys for the Suns have stepped up and really like, you know, kind of brought more to the table than we all expected. Just like, you know, the, the Suns in general. So, um, yeah, man, Aiden's been balling out. I'm, I'm actually like impressed with him. I wasn't, like having that great of a, you know, like feel for him when he first got into the league. But, um, you know, he's at least in his bubble, you know, in these eight games, he's, uh, he's definitely done a good job just like, you know, improving and, and, you know, hopefully he carries us into next year or into the playoffs if he can get them. For sure. And, uh, I mean, I think that's, that's it right there because it's these two guys. We have one more game to see if the vote's going to get swung at all. And Duffy and I can discuss that tomorrow when we do our mini pod uh, once the playoff seedings are set and the playing tournament is set. But for now, we, we've just seen incredible performances. I mean, shout out to the guys who would fill out the ballot. I'll just throw out some names. I mean, you know, Harden and the Rockets probably didn't care that much, but his numbers are just as incredible as always. You got Luka. You got TJ Warren, who's averaging over 30, even with a couple of bad games. Uh, Porzingis, incredible. Kawhi, incredible. Um, but it's really hard to even look at those guys as bubble MVPs because these games just didn't matter. The teams didn't do as good. The Mavs were two and four, so you can't say Luca or Kristaps deserve to be in that conversation without the team success to follow. Um, but that's it for the bubble MVP. And now to a segment I'm very excited for. Not my most excited segment of the day. That was going to come later with some shout-outs that we're doing. But I'm very excited for this. Duff, you prepared an all-bubble team. I'm curious to see if you just like said, all right, Damon Dev are just so obviously in, or maybe you just left them out. I don't know. So Duff, the floor is yours. The bubble, all bubble team. You just did first team. Explain to the people your thought process, and then hit us with your players. All right, guys, I got my first team all bubble. I didn't go to second team because it would just taken me too much time and been too convoluted, and who cares, right? Because it's just a bubble. It's just all bubble team. It's not all NBA. Uh, my main goal for this was to kind of. Highlight, A, the best players. B, shout out some guys. Uh, let's say there was a tie between like a superstar and maybe not as well-known guy, not a household name. I'm going to give the edge to that person just to kind of shout them out cause in this in this particular scenario because it's such a strange time and this award doesn't count that much anyway, so might as well give it to them. Um, so as guards, I did Dame and Devin Booker, obviously, for all the things we talked about, you know, he said it before, Dame's averaging 37 points, four rebounds, nine assists. He's shooting 48% from the floor and 41% from three on like 12 attempts a game. Uh, Devin Booker, 31 points, four and a half assists, six rebounds, 50% from the floor, and he's only shooting 35% from three. He's not, He has not been shooting the ball nearly as well as I thought he would in uh, in the bubble, and he's gotten some pretty good looks from three, but Oh well, uh, he, he just doesn't forward, rip the three as much as we think. I don't know. Sorry to interrupt you, but it just doesn't. No, nah, you're do right. It. You're right. Um, at forwards, I got Luka Doncic, who's averaging a triple double. A twenty. He's got twenty six, eleven, eleven, forty seven percent from the floor. He's getting the line about ten times a game, and he's only shooting twenty nine percent from three. He takes tough threes. He takes a lot of step back threes that he's not. He doesn't seem quite ready for it yet. I mean, he's kind of like Harden in the sense that he will just never get a catch-and-shoot opportunity at this point because he has the ball in his hands so much. Um, but 
unlike Harden, I think his his assists have a higher degree of difficulty. Like we saw some of those passes he was making in the Bucks game where he was really like, he was kind of passing people open, like really leading them into spots into open space and teammates learn from situations like that, which is good. And then, uh, you know, I, and uh, I know Frank is thinking in the back of his mind, you know, why doesn't, why didn't you shout out Russ Westbrook when he was averaging a triple double? It's because when he was getting those assists, he was like throwing it at people's ankles and like dumping it off to them at the end of shot clocks and stealing rebounds away from his center, things like that. Okay. Uh, next TJ Warren, he's averaging 31 points. He put up a 50 burger on my 76ers. Thank God I wasn't watching that game uh, with actually six assists, which is kind of insane. Oh no, I'm sorry. Six rebounds, two assists. That makes way more sense. Uh and, I was going to say, yo, TJ Warren's yeah. never had five assists in a game. I, I can guarantee in his it. life, in his life, <laughs> obviously yeah. not true. But so I, I figured that out real quick. Shooting forty-seven, almost forty-eight percent from the from the. Or I'm sorry, fifty-eight percent from the floor, and fifty-two percent from three. So he is just unconscious right now. And then at center, this is this was kind of a little bit of a pop, controversial pick in my head, but I really couldn't think of anyone else that it, this would have been better for. I got Kristaps Porzingis. Was averaging thirty points, nine rebounds, nine and a half rebounds, two assists, shooting forty eight percent from the floor and thirty thirty eight percent from three. So he has been trash on defense, as evidenced when Portland was playing against the Mavs and Stan Van Gundy was crushing him for consistently dropping on and pick and roll defense. So what that means is his man sitting the pick. And Kristaps' ass is just sitting in the paint still for no reason. So Damian Lillard just steps into a wide-open three-point shot or he gets fouled by the his defender who's r- running over the screen to try and uh, discourage him from doing Well, actually, you know, we're going to get to that later. But, all right, so what do you guys think of my all-bubble team? We got Dame Lillard, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, TJ Warren, Kristaps Porzingis. What do you think? I, for one, just can't believe that Michael Porter Jr. didn't even get, like, a, a mention. Thank you. I'm saving that for next segment, bro. I mean, so, I'm just saying. He was not going to be first team. He wasn't going to make it over Luca or T.J. Warren. That's true. He had a pretty good bubble. And kind of like you said, to the point where it's like, it's already a weird, messed up season, so you're going to give it to the guy who's less known, more, the, more so than the superstar. And I'm definitely going to take the to Luka Doncic triple-double and hit you over the head and say, you've been telling me how much triple-doubles don't matter for the past two years, so you're going to have to wear that one on the arm right now. Just Not all triple-doubles are created equal, Frank. All right, then let's go to points responsible for, because I bet you it's, it's you know, not crazily in Luka's favor, if at all. So, um, yeah, I definitely would have put Michael Porter Jr. in there. He's had some stellar performances and like some really good shooting performances. I mean, if I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure there was like a, maybe even he had like a 37. Ball, right? he, one game he had 37, another game he had 30, then he had 27. Then he had a game where he actually didn't miss any shots, but he was only it? took six and he scored 15. Tonight he scored 11. I think the first game he scored like 10 or 11. He hasn't, he had right. like a really good middle chunk of the, the bubble. But is probably, you're right. But he, he ended up 24 or nine, by the way. Michael Porter, Jr. Michael Porter Jr. ended up 24-9, by the way. In the bubble? In the bubble. Yeah. 
That's that was great. Yeah, I, I mean, love it's great. It. There's no, no I know. bigger Michael Porter Jr. fan east of the Mississippi than me. Can I just comment on uh, the triple double thing real quick? <laughs> Frank, I'm sorry, dog. Like, we we've been we've been through this, man. We've been through this. The Russell Westbrook, you know, league leading assist, eleven assist, whatever, triple double mania that he went through was incredible. We covered it. But his assists are not the same as somebody like Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic does something that's very simple that not all primary ball handlers do, but something that Steph Curry well, I'm does. I'm not arguing that, though. I know. I, I'm I, just I, saying. I just wanted to say that. And now I'm talking about Luka Doncic. And you could think about Russell Westbrook when I say this because he doesn't do this. Luka Doncic does what Steph Curry does so well, which is be able to not always have to take the ball up the court from baseline to the top of the key. He will gladly give it up. He'll run around. He'll go off screens, and then he'll get it back, and he'll make his play off there. He cuts. He, he operates in multiple different spaces. He makes all different uh, types of passes, something that Russell Westbrook didn't particularly do. Obviously, Russell Westbrook made great passes quite often, but Luka does what Steph does, which is, you know, yeah, I'm uh, the offense is running through me, but I don't need the ball physically at all times. I will give it up. I'll come get it back. I'll run around some screens. I'll do some of that other stuff. And even James Harden obviously doesn't do that either. And that's why the Luka Harden comparison is really good in my opinion. But there's like a sprinkle of Steph with the gravity that Luka creates and the willingness to just let other people touch it. And, and that's what I think Duff is talking about a little bit there with um, how creative and how impactful his assists are. I think Luka, the main point is Luka creates easier shots for his teammates, whereas Westbrook would consistently make it harder. I, I think I, I agree with Duff. I agree because Luca is really always he's always putting people in the right position to give them the ball. And I think Westbrook is if it, if it's if it's not pick and roll, right? It, the way I see it, if it's not pick and roll, I don't know if he's really putting everyone in the best situation to score. I think Luca being able to get into the paint after his pick and roll and obviously hit the pop or get into the paint and he makes a nice pass, you know, to the, to the guy that's in the opposite corner. Russ is that dude that, you know, he will do it, but he doesn't want to do it. And I think that's why when, you know, Van Gundy says like, oh, you know, or I'm sorry, it was Bill Simmons, I think said like, you know, his, his assists are more creative than Harden's because I, or, or legitimate assists rather because Harden's assists are because, you know, he has to, like, there's four guys on him and he passes it out and he'll take his whatever assist for that day. But he doesn't, he doesn't like willingly do that. And I think that's why you see Doncic has 19 assists in the game as opposed to, you know, because Harden could do that same thing. Is, is, I guess that's what I'm really getting at is that Harden, with the amount of attention he gets on defense, he could do that exact same thing and have those same numbers, but he just doesn't want to. And he'll, you know what, yo, I'll take the foul and I'll go to the line. And it's a different game. It's not It's not any discredit to Harden, but he's just a different player. And the other thing about Luka, to your point, where he's it's, he, it's like he's driving not to score, but to create shots, whereas Harden is always scoring until he's not. And that, like, Luka will sometimes just run into space and end up, like, behind the backboard, like, under the block, no angle on the basket, but, like, for whatever reason, three defenders are right in his face. And then he like he's in a terrible position, but he's got him right he's he has the defense right where he wants them, which is not by his teammates. And he'll somehow get that pass to them. 
it, it kind of reminds me a lot of Steve Nash where he mm-hmm. would drive and get the ball into like a, like a really dangerous position. Like if you're, if you're a defender, you're used to the ball being on the, on the perimeter and then you're defending the basket. Now what Steve Nash used to do all the time was he would get the ball underneath the basket. And so now you're facing the baseline, defending your man and, and you're trying to keep an eye on the ball and an eye on the basket, but your man is behind you now. And you don't know, like it's, it's just a very uncomfortable position for defenses to be in. Right. And now everyone can cut off of what he does. Right. And I think yep. like, they cut like that's, you do not see NBA teams cut. No. That's why it was such a big deal when Clay Thompson was cutting for the Warriors and everyone used to go crazy over it because NBA players don't cut. Yes. Uh, the Mavs cut. Yes, they cut. And and Harden, Harden, if you, you know, obviously we know he's a ball-dominant guy. Most of the time, where is the ball? It's usually at the top of the key or on one of the wings. When Luka has the ball, it could be anywhere on the yes. floor. So now guys have the ability to move without the ball. Like That's why a guy like Seth Curry now is like, you know, filling it up for, for the Mavs coming off the bench as opposed to, you know, where he was, you know, in teams prior, he was kind of like the garbage minutes guy at, in a sense for, you know, he, with the Blazers, he, he did pretty well. And obviously he right. was going to the Mavs now. He was but kind of just a sharpshooter like, back then. Boogie Cousins, big brain Boogie Cousins yeah. said he was going to be in the league for a long time, bro. Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, the, the so Luka thing is so, the Luka thing is so impressive. I mean, he's, he's just so good. I, I mean, you argue about, you know, who's the face of the league and maybe Luca just isn't, you know, as big a face yet and who's going to be the next face after Braun goes. Is, next. is it Giannis? Is it Zion? My money is on him to be the best player in the league for the longest portion of the next 10 years. Like, he is Luca's next. so freaking good. Uh, and Harden, like, it's so specific what he does and he's so good at it that it's like I am obviously such a hardened stand hardened defender that I always um try to appreciate it when people don't like he's scoring 35 points in the bubble on 18 or 19 shots a game like come on you know what I'm saying like he's he's taking less threes than Dame he's shooting 37 percent from three he's averaging nine assists himself and the passing thing with Bill Simmons and I I listened to that pod live and then saw the aggregate thing with him saying Luca's assists are more impactful Right after that sentence, Bill Simmons said, I mean, Harden's an incredible passer. Don't get it twisted. And that obviously gets left out of the quote box on Instagram. Harden's incredible. Russell Westbrook's incredible. But what Luka does is just different, and there's not really many other ways to skin the cat. You have Um, to watch it. If you want to understand, you got to watch the games. And the other thing that I think works against Harden is he makes things look so easy. Like, Luka looks like he's working hard to do stuff like, Harden will just like hit you with the same three dribble combinations of like, and just same three moves and different combinations. And then he'll still get by you. Like Harden makes it look so much easier. Whereas Luca seems like he has to work harder and, and really, I don't know, contort his body to do all this crazy stuff. And like bang whereas Harden is just so much more efficient. And Harden, I, I just thought of this and tell me if you guys, if this makes sense to you guys, Harden somehow perfectly mesh being a technician and an artist. Like his his footwork is so on point, it's incredible. With the step backs, with the jab pull up three that he does, it's not even a real step back. It's a jab like pull up, is incredible. Obviously, the euros and getting fouled is so impressive. Luca is you know bodying people, and he. But the one thing that I don't agree exactly, uh, Duff, about Luca working hard, he doesn't ever seem to be moving too fast. He's always at his own pace, which also makes it look 
like it's just his game and everyone's playing his game. You know? He's always changing direction. He's always changing pace. It looks very herky jerky. I forget who was commentating on the game. Uh, it might have been against the Bucks where Jeff Van Gundy was like they had the trace that was following where Luca was going and how he was moving. And it looked like like a six or eight pointed star. Like he just kept like, okay, I'm going to try and go right. Okay, that didn't work. Now I'm going to go back left. Now I'm going back right. I'm going back left. Okay, I'm going to fake going right. Now I'm going back left. Okay, I'm at the basket. Like he just, he hits with so many combinations and he, his first step is so quick and he's hitting you with like six first steps in a row. One of them's bound to work. You know what? Luca's almost more like uh, Jokic in that way. He's like a mini Jokic, or Jokic is a giant Luca. I feel like they're actually <laughs> more similar in, in some ways, like that too. Um, let's talk about some other guys though, because we got to keep this thing moving here. TJ Warren is a guy who made your bubble team, Duff, and obviously he averaged over thirty. Had some incredible games. He did kind of get shut down against Jimmy's Heat. We all saw that, and that happened. That's no joke. But what yeah, I want to talk about with TJ is he's a player in the past who wasn't hitting the threes, <clears throat> excuse me, that he was hitting in the bubble here. He's only, I mean, not only, he's shooting seven threes a game. That's not something that he's normally done in the past with Phoenix, and now that Phoenix thing comes into play. They let him go for basically nothing. We looked at TJ Warren as a guy who basically... They paid. They paid the Pacers to take him. Pretty much, right? So we looked at him as a guy who didn't fit in today's NBA. He didn't pass. He didn't shoot threes. He was just a, a bucket guy uh, from the mid-range and inside. He's extended and he deserves some love for that. He's still not a great passer. He doesn't do it very much, but damn impressive from TJ Warren. Yeah. It was it was really impressive just, like, seeing... And, and I think this is one of the cool things about the bubble that we might have mentioned before. It's just, like, seeing guys that have, you know, really took their game to the next level over quarantined and really took advantage of working on their game. I think TJ Warren's is a great example of that because before this bubble, he might've been playing well, but I think the first name out of our mouth coming from the Pacers was probably either Oladipo or Zabonis going into this bubble Honda. and not TJ Warren. Definitely. So yeah. you know, just seeing TJ Warren really like take advantage of quarantine and really focus on his game and probably dissect really impressive. Yeah, and, and one one more thing. I don't know his numbers right now because he actually doesn't even qualify for the, the top point score. I have 50 guys uh, on my on my list right now. Steven Adams, I saw him play a few games. I watched Thunder like probably like three or four times when he was playing, and he didn't play every game, which also hurts him here, and the Thunder games just weren't that important. But I was so impressed with what Steven Adams was bringing to the Thunder. When they smoked the Lakers, he was doing so much. He was bullying people down low. He was scoring. He's a, a, a nice little passer out of the post. I just want I probably could have saved him for the next segment, but I just wanted to shout him out. <laughs> Definitely. Well, let's lead, have that lead, lead us off. Lead us off yeah. for the next segment. Let's do it. That's All our right. first shout out. Well, that is our first shout out. So that's, that's the bubble team. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's do that. So what we're going to do here, there's a quick hidden segment. We have one more segment after this one. Um, we're going to just do some general shout-outs in the bubble. It doesn't have to be just players. It could be coaches. It could be announcers. It could be a reporter. It could be, you know, Lou Will's Lemon Pepper Wings. It doesn't matter what it is. Just general bubble shout-outs. That's what we're doing. It's going to be quick-hitting. We're going to be passing the ball around and just shouting stuff out that we've appreciated so far in the bubble. So without further ado, let's get it going. 
We talked about this guy before, but I'm going to shout him out again because I love him that much. Michael Porter Jr. has been crushing it for the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic has been dying, dying for another player to just be a B-plus. Just be a B-plus out there on the court while Jokic is an A-plus for everyone else. You just need someone to hit open jumpers, someone who's going to cut to the basket, someone who can finish at the rim. And Michael Porter Jr. is the total package for someone who doesn't need the ball and all he wants to do is run off screens, catch and shoot threes, catch lobs, bounce passes towards the rim. So that's a match made in heaven. And uh, I'm feeling real big brain for saying I would take Michael Porter Jr. over DeAndre Ayton right now. So I'm proud of my boy. I think my, my shout out will go to uh, Monty Williams, the uh, head coach for the Suns. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned it before, but just, you know, who would have thought that the Suns would be anywhere near the contention for the eight and nine seed. And, um, you know, just knowing that obviously Devin Booker has been playing well and Aiton and, you know, the help with Bridges and uh, Cam Johnson. But, you know, he's obviously, you know, driving his train and really giving these guys, showing these guys the way. And I'm hoping that, you know, he can stay on and, and really build something with the, with the Suns with a good draft pick. Uh, following next year after this bubble. I'm going to give a quick shout out to Nate McMillan, coach of the Pacers. Uh, we kind of talked about his his guys earlier and seeing him make that step. I think I'll maybe attribute that to Nate McMillan, putting him in better situations where, you know, he feels more comfortable and can thrive. But even beyond that, um, kind of the same thing happened when Victor Oladipo came from Oklahoma City and Sabonis. So Nate McMillan's just kind of been doing his thing over there uh, for quite a while now, and it definitely didn't go unnoticed because he got that new contract, uh, as we all saw. So shout-out, Nate McMillan. Uh, Keep doing you. Shout-out. Good one, Frank. I like that. My shout-out, Yusuf Nurkic. My man had a broken leg last year. He didn't play the whole season. And he shows up in the bubble, 17 and 10 on 13 shots, looking like he didn't miss a beat. Nurkic came back and not only like fit in, but helped the Blazers get to where they are right now. And who could have ever seen his injury last year, seen that he didn't play this entire season, and him come back as strong looking as he did, and now going into the playoffs can get even stronger. My shout-out, my, no, my first shout-out, Yusuf Nurkic. As he would say, ball don't lie. We think Yusuf Nurkic is just like a quick-footed, but worse with his hands, Jokic. That's what I see when I when I watch him play. I just uh, want to get that take off real quick. So shout-out him for being a worse version of uh, Nikola Jokic. Hey, he can't finish at the if, rim. If you're, if you're 85% of Nikola Jokic, you're a damn good center in this league. Tell you that much. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what I see when I watch him play. All right. Uh, I'm going to shout-out uh, Stan Van Gundy. Uh, Peter, I know you're going to do this, but whatever. Shout-out Stan Van Gundy because he was crushing Kristaps Porzingis and Rick Carlisle for defending Damian Lillard's uh, pick-and-rolls terribly. All all Kristaps did was put his heels on the foul line and let Damian Lillard shoot pull-up threes right in his eye. And uh, poor uh, Finney Smith has to chase Lillard around those screens. And if he t- like he's going to pull up instantly. If he touches him, it's three free throws. If he doesn't touch him, it's a wide-open three. So shout-out uh, Rick Carlisle and Kristaps Porzingis for making that 61-point uh, game happen. And shout-out Stan Van Gundy for calling their asses out. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm going to shout out 
of Bo Bo. And yeah. I know he's, you know, I know, you know, he he kind of like fizzled out a little bit, but I think he's gonna be able to make, you know, an impact right away in the playoffs. And you know, it was just really cool when everyone kind of like almost like started supporting this guy when they saw some some scrimmage film and were like, yo, dude, yo, I forgot he could ball. Like, yeah, he could really ball. So I'm happy that he uh you know he's getting the opportunity to to really hoop, you know, hoop again. And um, you know, I think he's definitely gonna make an impact for the for the Nuggets and and definitely be a a big role player coming off the bench. Uh I'm a shout out Giannis for smack <laughs> Smacking that dude in the face with his face—that was some euro on euro crime right there. Yeah, that, but that's you know, over here in the content biz, that's what we call content, you know. So shout out Giannis for giving us something to to shout out, and uh, and giving the <laughs> any, Bucks a built-in excuse to sit him for the last game. Any other situation, any other situation, if it was the regular season game. It would, it would have been like four games minimum, but the NBA is smart enough to be like, yeah, you know what? We need this guy for the playoffs. Uh, one game. You'll be good. <laughs> yeah, this one game that doesn't matter because they have the one seed 100% locked up. He can't play. <laughs> John Moran is also shouting out Giannis for that headbutt so he doesn't have to play. <laughs> Make sure he gets in the playoffs. So. Yeah, John Moran just John, I'm, I'm shouting out John Moran's shout out. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'm uh I'm moving on with uh I'm you know this is a random one, Adam Lefko, filling the shoes of Ernie Johnson on this TNT broadcast when Ernie gets a night off. You got to deal with some personalities. He was working with Shaq and Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne Wade's been on one. I'll just shout out TNT. I mean shout out ESPN too. They're doing a good job, but shout out that TNT show, the studio show. It hits so different. Even with Vince Carter, Dwayne Wade, with Draymond Green. Shout out to his fine fifty k. How you doing? <laughs> But Adam Lefko has to fill. Price you pay for good TV. Ernie Johnson shoes deal with Shaq, deal with Dame. VC was a little more tame, but yeah, that TNT crew it has some future, even post Shaq, post Chuck. I think there's there's a long life for them. Yo, Inside the NBA is the best show on TV, in my opinion. No one at me, no one at me or Kyle. Dude, it's it's the best show on TV because you know why? You never know what you're going to hear. It's good. You know, they talk good basketball, but it's not. They don't shove stats on your throat. It's just legit. Just guys talking about basketball, giving their opinions. And then on top of that, you know, cracking jokes and roasting each other. Like, it's it's like it's really cool to watch. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm going to stay in that same vein, Pete. I'm going to shout out. I don't even know this guy's name because he doesn't deserve for me to know his name. I think his (laughs) name's like David Rash or something like that. Who's the ESPN play by play guy? Mark you know what I'm talking about? Mark Jones? Not Mark Jones, not Mike Breen, the white guy who was with Jeff Van Gundy. I don't, I don't, sure. I don't know his name either, but I think I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that guy. He is fucking horrible. That guy <laughs> is so fucking bad at his <laughs> no. job. And he oh, makes no. it so obvious. Like, it's it's a sin to have to listen to, to have to listen to Iron Eagle. And I'm like, wow, that was that was great. Let's listen to this next game. Whoever was doing the Bucks. Mavs game with Jeff Van Gundy. That guy is dog shit. I think I'm going to look it up and I'm going to get back to him. Cause Yo, he you should have every- honestly shouted out Ian Eagle with Stan Van Gundy because the two of them together is magical. That's that's the best tag team in the bubble right now, for sure. That's lovely stuff. I think I, I, one more shout out. I don't know if anyone has any more, but this one's just obvious. This one has nothing to do with positivity. Zero positive Corona tests in the bubble. Shout out. Hey. Definitely. 
Yeah, that's good. That's just uh, there's nothing else to say. Negative, yeah. negative vibes only. We need a life point. <laughs> oh man, that was good. Shout outs. Yo, anyone? Anyone else? Anything last to to say before we move on? I think we're good. That's fun. I, like, uh, I, like I want to shout out the Nets for ruining everyone's wagers the past oh, couple dude, days. That's messed up. I didn't mean that for you specifically, but oh, I've it, heard from multiple, multiple people that that has been happening to them. Uh, was there anything? Do I have anything else? I felt I it from I you specifically, Duff. I felt it from you specifically. All right. It's rude as hell. But anyways. I can't, I'm going to find this. Oh, oh, I got it. I got it. David Pash. Oh. P-A-S-C-H. Yeah. That guy sucks. More like a rash, if you ask me. I would. He's awful, man. Oh, God. All right. Well, that was good. That was fun. That was something new for us. A little quick hit and you know, round the, round the world, a little swinging it around the perimeter. We all take our shots. We get our shots out. That was good stuff. Subway Sports Talk. Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, and Kyle Anderson. We're not done yet. We do have one more topic and something that I'm going to give the floor to Kyle and Duff. It's something that, you know, you the two of you specifically, Kyle, you're currently a coach of basketball players in high school. Duffy, you come from a lineage of, of coaches, your brother, you have brothers who played high D1 ball, high international ball, your dad, low-key, a, a Jersey coach, legend, you know, like been around some of the greats, been a part of some of the great coaching staffs. So you guys just take the floor here because there's something that you guys just kind of see that I don't pay attention to as much, frankly. So take the floor. Me and Frank will comment and tell you guys if you sound crazy or sound smart. Yeah, Kyle, I'm gonna go first if you don't mind. And I want to. Sh- I'm gonna shout out. I'm gonna shout out my brother. He just got. He just signed a new contract. He's playing in Spain come the fall slash oh, winter time. Oh. So shout out. Don't ask me what team. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> and I forget what it is off the top of my head. Um, but these, all right, these officials. I, you know, everyone has kind of got to get back, get their get their legs under them here, players and refs alike. And I think a lot of the circumstance in the bubble has a lot to do with this, but the referees need to start growing thicker skin. I cannot go through games where I'm seeing two and three technicals every single game in the Sixers Raptors game tonight. Kyle Lowry got a technical foul for just yelling like, ah, like he almost said and one and he got a technical for that. Uh, Matisse Thibel got a technical. That guy's never not smiling. Uh, I've seen a bunch just a bunch of technicals that shouldn't happen. Also, I know we we instituted this rule where you have to give the the jump shooter a, a space to land. That's all well and good. I, I think that's a great rule. But what about the shooters who are jumping forward? What about the shooters who kick their legs out and kind of jackknife like a Kyle Lowry or James Harden? I'm st- I don't like seeing those fouls because now you just are literally taking away the defender's ability to contest a jump shot at this point. So... They need to figure something, something like that out where they turn that into an offensive foul if they're jumping forward or it's not a foul if they're jumping forward. It's a play on because it's just too many free throws. And also they need to allow players to try and get over screens on pick and rolls because I, I, like watching Dame Lillard score 61 is incredible, but watching a defender who's completely helpless while his center is sitting in the lane doing absolutely nothing. So it's two on one up at the top of the key and he can't even run over or try to squeeze between Dame Lillard and the screen without fouling, without fouling him. Like that's not basketball to me. So we're in this weird position where a lot of referees now have had fewer years experience than a lot of the really good players. 
because there were so many veteran refs that had left in the past couple of years and a lot of rookies that have come in. So it's at a really delicate point, and I hope in the playoffs it doesn't turn into this, and I really hope that they start to let stuff go because the last thing you need is some someone with a little bit of a history ends up pulling a Draymond where they're, you know, end up being suspended in the conference finals or the finals because they just talk a lot. Like someone like Patrick Beverly, I don't, I don't want players to be suspended because of technicals when we get to the finals. I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but this is just something I've been thinking about. And you can always complain about the referees. So I'm just going to do it because they need to hear it. And Jeff Van Gundy's not enough. We need everyone to do it. Yeah, I definitely hear you, dude, because there have been a lot of like ticky tack fouls like around the basket. And it's like stuff that, you know, all right. Yeah, they make some contact, but it's like it's every single thing where it's you know stuff they didn't used to hear. Yes, and 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 you know stuff that that I, I know it's turned into you know the NBA has turned into an offensive league, and I get it, and you know it's kind of like discrediting discrediting defense a little bit, but there's there's times where you know you can hold on to your whistle and not blow it, you know, and there's times where you know almost every quarter a team is in a bonus. Because of oh, both teams, you know, how many, yeah, both teams. Because of how many fouls are being called, and I I agree with you to your point about about you know the pick and roll stuff. How is a defender supposed to get over the screen, and you know the the offensive player knows that he's going over it and he jumps into him and shoots the ball at the same time? That should not be a shooting foul. If anything, if you're going to make that a foul, it should just be you know just how they turned the uh, the, the rip through foul. Yeah, the rip through. That should be a rip through foul now because. The defense is at a total disadvantage. And, and it's not a know, real shot. It's not a natural motion. Exactly. And and how is it a defender supposed to anticipate, you know, that kind of I know I that that kind of action, you know, and I, I get, you know, they want to give them a landing spot um as a shooter. Um, you know, and, and I feel like it, it definitely attributes to guys' legs right now and you know, just not being in shape. But for coming off a pick and roll and, you know, a guy kicks their leg out or, you know, backs into the guy and shoots it and they give him the, the, the three shots, like, I understand, that, you know, the three-point three point shot is so important, but now it's just not becoming basketball. Like, it's just, you know, how am I going to get to the line and how am I going to take advantage of referees, you know, at the angle that they're at? Right. And if we don't get the referees to start doing what they're supposed to do, Stan Van Gundy said it during the Mavs Blazers game. And I, I watched that game twice and I specifically was watching for what he was talking about in the second game. He, he said that, you know, don't foul people on this particular shot because they would have to be shooting, you know, 81%. They would have to be shooting 93% from that spot to make it worth it because now they're shooting free throws. Why would you ever foul a jump shooter in that position? So you can't contest. You have to jump straight up and down. You can't lunge at them. So now, from his perspective, if the referees are going to be the officials and they're calling this consistently now across games and across crews, coaches are going to start coaching that out of the game. They're going to start coaching jump shot contests out of the game. They're going to start coaching going uh, over pick and rolls out of the game. Like if you have a big man, like someone like Kristaps Porzingis cannot – jump uh, a jump a pick and roll and stunt out and force you know Damian Lillard to try to like go around him and then like basically loop around right. so he has to take a longer route yeah, he can't step into a jump right. shot but like doing doing something like that it, like it, it creates all these 
ripple effects if if he has to kind of run out there and and uh the the Damian Lillard's defender who who's running around the screen just can't chase him off that shot it it, it has so many ripple effects to the game and what we're going to see it's just there I know that leagues always want to tilt things in the offense's favor because it's more fun there's more action more points you know, people love that stuff, but at a certain point, like you're really just skewing the game of basketball in a negative way. Right. I, I, so, I, oh, go ahead, Frank. I'm, I mean, I'm going to get real creative with it. If you want to stay traditional. It's up to you. Go, get with, oh, you want, you're saying you want me to go first? Yeah, it's up to you. Let me, let me run these two. I have two points that are pretty quick and then, and then you take over. My non-coaching eyes to you guys here says two things to that comment. You said about uh, jump shooters having a space to land. What about having defenders who jump straight up have a place to stand? So you can see a guy go straight up, uh, or a place to land, I should, I should, I meant to say. A guy goes straight up to contest a jump shot, but you know he jumped a little early. So Kyle Lowry does a nosedive into the you know, inside the arc and shoulders the dude creating all the contact himself, yet it's a foul on the defender. So the defender was giving him landing space and the defender got no landing space. So maybe at some point, you know, that can yep, start to like cancel out. For 15 years, Dwayne Wade pump fake. Yeah. Right. 15 years. He did that defenders, shit. defenders have no, have no rights. Right they have now. no personal space. Oh, like except I, for it. Right. Like if I stand, if I stand, you know, at my spot, and, you know, and, you know, they always tell you, don't foul jump shooters, don't foul jump shooters, you know, as a player. But if you stand straight up in your spot and a guy raises up over you and you are nowhere near their space, but they jump into you, what, as a defender, am I supposed to jump back as they, as they jump forward to me? And I just think that, you know, that's something that these refs have to take into account. You know, Reggie Miller was great at it, you know, kicking his leg out. Legs out. He just mentioned Wade. You know, he, he was really good at it. But, I, I remember if he came on and did it with the heat. Yes, right. At one point, when are they going to start calling that an offensive foul? Because that should be an offensive foul, you know, initiating that kind of contact that isn't natural at all towards they, their and, move. And let's say the shooters don't do that. Let's say they pump fake and don't go into you. Let's say they're just going straight up for a shot. As a defender, am I just going to jump straight up in the air as you're shooting the ball to try and contest? Like, if I'm the shooter, I'm laughing in your fucking face because that does absolutely nothing. Like, I know you're not going to block my shot if you're standing three feet away. Like, the reason I'm taking the shot is because you're not close enough to me to block it. So now if you jump straight up, you're nowhere near me. You're, no, you're not obstructing my field of vision to the basket whatsoever. You're not making me uncomfortable by encroaching on my space. So I, as a shooter, I'm just laughing in your face that you're even jumping at all. Like, you might as well just start boxing me out or turn around and go try and get a rebound or, or just run for a fast break because you're not going to bother me as a shooter. But uh, so I'm not sure how, you know, one-to-one or how relevant my point's going to be, but I think you guys will be able to like see where I'm coming from at least. Um, And it's just just like, it's evolution of the game. And the way you guys started talking about it originally, kind of before Pete made his point and we we talked more about it. um, I feel like you guys... I was gonna say you guys are like old heads already, like complaining yeah. <laughs> about like, you, you sound like uh, a nineteen eighty five baseball player. No, 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 because it's different. Yeah, I'm not talking about like people shoot too many threes or whatever. I'm talking about like like players can't contest shots. 
Let me clarify, because I think Frank's making a good point. You guys aren't being old heads in the sense that you're saying, oh, this new style is no good. No, stop shooting threes. You're being old heads in a different sense, like about, like you're accepting the new game. You're not accepting what's coming along with the new game. It's basically saying, I'm with the new stuff. I'm not with how they're changing the surroundings, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, like, I, I, I was going to say, like, to the point about baseball getting more towards, like, launch angle because of the way shifting has, like, really changed ground ball, like, base hit, like, batting average on ground balls and stuff like that. So, uh, which, you know, like, I feel like even people who argue that in baseball, like, they there is merit to your point, but this is kind of the stuff that all comes along with kind of like what you said, making the sport big home runs, like, you know, big offensive moments are just in general on a night to night basis, easier to sell to the masses. And, and but do, all right, to your point, do you think that it's more enjoyable to watch baseball now with all these home runs and strikeouts instead of like no. rally and things I, like I, that? I, I don't, which, which again, I'm like, I'm giving credence to your point, but I'm just saying like it, it, it is to what, to Pete's point as well. Like, with with the good things that come with the transitions of the new league and the new way people are trying to innovate and play basketball, like there will be downsides to it too. And guys being good enough at shooting to just absolutely, you know, abuse the rules that are in place right now in terms of like, you know, specifically, like you said, getting around screens. I've never seen two people move so closely together without actually making contact. Like, their their jerseys at the hip touch, but they don't. So it's impossible to get over it basically in time to contest a shot. I get that. But that's like, you know, that's also because these guys are so good at shooting at a hundred miles per hour. Like that's because right. of the evolution of the game. Right. I mean, and, and I think this point, the second point that I had that I didn't get to might put some of this to bed at least. Right. So there's, 11 players in the bubble. Some of them only played a couple games. I think Jimmy Butler only played three. But 11 game, eleven players in the bubble who are averaging over eight free throws a game. So similarly to pace of play in baseball, if there's that many players getting almost double-digit free throws in the playoffs, pace of play is going to slow down. But all that being said, and all the things we just talked about, this can be looked at and can be changed for the playoffs. We know and we have a history of it. Playoff basketball is not officiated the same as regular season basketball. James Harden will tell you right now, you know, for as easy as he makes it look to get a dozen free throws in a game in the regular season, it's that much harder in the playoffs. And with the technicals point that you made much earlier now, Duff, these technicals aren't going to be called in the playoffs either. It's almost like the refs are saying like, listen, we're setting up this boundary. We're, We're not giving you this slack now so we can give it to you later and it'll be uh, more fluid. Right, so there's a possibility that some of these things you're complaining about are going to be taken care of as, as the playoffs uh, really start and take off. I I think you're right for playoffs certainly, but you know most of basketball isn't playoffs. Most about and you sure. know as someone as someone who watches from game one to game 82 through the finals, like I get I'm not the average fan and I'm not really who the NBA is catering to because I'm going to watch the games no matter what. So. They're not worried about me. They're worried about someone in the middle and how they can make it more appealing to them, which I, I get. 
Um, when all four of us are officially old heads, then I don't know if we still do the podcast. I think we're not old heads, but we all have like a portion of old headness in, in our in our right. <laughs> fanhood well, of basketball. All of us collectively, our favorite player becomes Robin Lopez. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, I got one more thing. I got one uh, more thing for the uh, for the fouls because this is something really fouls? weird. That I'm going to foul you and put you at the line. Uh, I know. Listen to this one. Check this out, homie. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Uh, <laughs> so here's something that's really weird. So offensive players, when they're not dribbling, they usually have like this cylinder around them where there's personal space, whatever. Now, if they turn their back or they're sideways to the rim, defenders will get right up next to them. They really stick their face in there. And as a player, you're taught to move your elbows through to clear out space. You can't do that anymore because everyone sticks their chin right into the play. And then they get tapped. They get barely brushed on the chin. It's like kind of, it's like the equivalent of taking a charge because all these defenders are anticipating the contact. And as soon as they get touched a little bit, then they'll just fall over. Like it's the, it's the Patrick Beverly. Like everyone is doing that. Um, that's something that's really bothering me that it's just like, you can't even have personal space anymore as a, as a offensive player, if you haven't dribbled yet. So I know I'm kind of complaining about like two sides of things, but they're referees, they should be used to it. So I'm just going to complain. That's a throwback Bruce Bowen right there. You know, Bruce Bowen getting in there and getting all tight. And then, you know, borderline like flopping Ginobili used to be pretty good with that too. You know, like getting in tight. Kyle Lowry. That's not that's not good basketball. Like that's not enjoyable. I'm just thinking just from a visual perspective, like that's not enjoyable. Mm. All this as a fan to watch that. It's just like, all right, another whistle, change of possession. Right. I think that's the biggest thing that bothers me so far. You know, get off my long guy. Kyle, start over. Good. Now, yeah, over. you're good now. You're good now. Okay. All right, so not to be like, you know, the get off my lawn guy, but, you know, I think it's just – the biggest thing is just is just stopping the flow of the game. And, and I – and, you know, there's so much skill in the NBA. Obviously, it's probably the – it is. It's the best organization in the world, you know, for sports. And, you know, with all the skill and all the guys that, that are internationally that come over and play – no one is ever saying like, oh man, like I can't wait till I can get on the free throw line in the NBA. You know? <laughs> it's it's you you are there to play basketball. You know, you're there to to play the all you know, the sport that we all love the right way. And I, I get it, you know, you have to draw, you know, you gotta score. It's, it's a scoring league now, but the you know, the emphasis on you know, getting people to score is just I guess they're going the wrong way about it and refs just aren't helping. You know, they, it can be a more honest way of scoring is what I'm saying. All right. I a hundred percent agree by the way. And honestly arguing about pace of play and needing it to be quicker is not really an old head thing. It's a new head thing. That's something that is really important to both baseball, basketball and football to increase pace of play, to include uh, decrease uh, unnecessary timeouts or replays and whatever. Kyle, talk your stuff about defense you've seen in the bubble, and then we'll say goodbye. Awesome. Yeah, man. I, something that's really been more popular in the bubble right now is really interesting is a lot of teams are playing zone defense, and it's something that, you know, was illegal in up until 2001, 2002, 
and more teams are starting to adopt it. And you can really tell that teams are starting to realize that they can now, you know, switch up looks on possessions now defensively. And now that, you know, say if a team is going on a little bit of a run, say going on an 8-0 run and they don't want to burn a timeout, you know what, hey, let's go, let's go zone and see if we can get some, you know, get a, get a four shot or get a turnover. And I think one of the reasons why they're doing that is because teams have these long and athletic guys that can carry, you know, can cover ground quickly and, you know, they're able to communicate. So it's not like your typical two, three zone, like you play in rec basketball. It's more of like a matchup zone and you're essentially playing man, but you're playing man with the person that's in your zone. So if you have a, you know, if you're guarding someone at the top of the key and they cut through the paint, you know, you're going to be communicating with the guys behind you that there's going to be a cutter coming through. And now you're looking to your right or in front of you for the next guy. And now that is your man. Yeah. And right. then you hand that cutter off to your, to your teammate. He's going to hand off. It's yes. a matchup zone yeah. is what is right. Yeah. Would that be the proper as, zone. as Bill Rafter would say, it's two, three zone with meta, meta principles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So perfect, perfect Bill Rafter. So, um, you know, one of the teams throat. that's actually really, really <laughs> killing it right now is the Heat. And the Heat have been doing this for now, you know, two, three years and been, have been getting really good at it. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why they've been good at, good at it is because, you know, they have long and athletic, you know, athletes. Like, uh, you know, you got Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. You have uh, – who else do you have? Even Duncan have Robinson. Jones Jr. is, is Kendrick up? Nunn. I was about to say, yeah, Kendrick Nunn. But now you're covering up for the guys that are not the best on-ball defenders like Drogic and Hero, Tyler Hero, guys that are more offensive-driven players. And, or so now, and, and like defensive pass lane guys. They're not like, like yeah. you said, they're not one-on-ones, there, but they can get in the pass lane, sneaky, sneaky. Exactly, right. So, you know, some of the teams, you know, they were really using it. They were really the the – team that use it they actually use it at the biggest rate during a 2020 season um pre-bubble and now you know you see a lot of more teams doing it and I really think it's probably because a lot of teams are you know coaching staffs are probably seeing that the Heat are having success doing it and they have all this time over quarantine to watch film they're like you know what we should implement this and you know into our defense we can steal two three possessions out of it get some bad shots and now we can kind of turn the tide and we can ourselves can go on a run um, and if the offensive if the offensive team has a wrong personnel out there, like let's say someone goes zone against uh, you know Portland and they have use of Nurkic, if yep. Nurkic is hanging around the paint, then you give the the guy. Let's say they're playing two three zone. You give the guy in the middle someone who's around the paint. He has always an excuse to be around the basket without ever actually having to guard someone because trying to make that pass through the zone defenders is going to be more difficult. You have to have a like if you want to beat it, you got to go five out, and then essentially you're rendering it useless, yeah, uh, because of that because of the illegal defense still. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there because that's something oh, yeah. I definitely like, saw. And like, against the Sixers, the Magic did it, and Brett Brown I think had an aneurysm along with every other player <laughs> on the Sixers who was on the court, and they yeah. like it was they called a timeout. the The Magic came out in a two three zone, and like two Sixer players almost threw the ball out of bounds off like a handoff. Because it broke their brain so bad. That's okay. So, so one of the things that, like, you know, one of the worst things about two-three zone defense is, you know, you worry about defensive rebounding. 
but the Heat are sixth in the league in defensive rebounding using this this zone. And they're actually seventh in team defense. And I wanted to ask you guys if you knew they're tied for seventh in the NBA. Do you know who the seventh team is for defense in the league? Phoenix. It's it's kind of a tough one. Not Phoenix? Not Phoenix. I thought it could be a bubble or whole season? Whole season. Oh, snap. Uh, Rockets. Yes. Bam. Wow. Houston. Yes. Yeah, I, did not, I did not expect that's that. So I saw crazy. that stat that's and I was like, holy so shit. Low, like, dude, the, the Rockets are 17 in defense right now. But that was pretty much my little thing on zone defense, man. It, it's it's just really something interesting, you know, that, that I caught on to, you know, watching all these games so far. That's great stuff. Unfortunately, that is the end. And maybe zone defense will have something to do with the end of the NBA season. Who knows if it'll be a big player in the in the playoffs. Uh, I think the Heat are going to be a team to try it because they do some funky stuff, and Spolstra has earned that respect. Uh, unfortunately, if, if you're trying to avoid getting crushed by the pick and roll, like going going zone so you always have two people at the top right. of the key is, is something you could do. Sticks, and uh, I think to your point about the Heat, I think the Heat have played more zone defense possessions than the rest of the league this year. Yes. Wow. That they, that they, that uh, kind of hurt my brain for a second. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we do actually have to end, uh, to be frank, and to put behind the curtains here. My phone is going to die. I'm on, I'm, on, right. I'm on thread here. I'm on one thread. Uh, I'm on yeah. 1% officially. So, last words before my phone dies, and we, then you guys are just gone, and it's just me alone, and we don't want that. So, last words. Duff, real quick, how, how you doing? Let's go Suns. So if the Suns get that nine seed and they can uh, play the Blazers in that playing series. Kyle? Dude, I think uh, this playoffs is going to be the probably the best playoffs we might have ever seen, I oh. think, in our, in our lifetime. That's what I, I really think. hope they don't pump in the fan noise. It was a lot of fun to listen to Blazers Mavs and the Blazers bench just screaming after every play, like his AAU tournament. That was so fun. Oh, oh and one other thing. I want to see if these these fans, these guests that are able to come into the bubble are going to have an impact on the game. Like, are they mm. going to go crazy or are they just going to be chilling? That's what I want to see, too. Good shout. Frank? Uh, at the beginning of Duff's rant, he said personal space like three or four times, and I just thought about that guy from Rick and Morty <laughs> who liked his personal space so much that he ripped his own skin off. So. <laughs> <laughs> what episode was that that's like season one bro that's fantastic uh my my last words go out to two old heads we're talking about old heads chris paul Mello, still got something in the tank shout out to the old heads they'll hopefully be both in the playoffs uh that's good stuff though all right yo Yo, so, Mello crushed it against the Mavs. Can't even lie. That hey, was great Mello. That is, Just catch and shoot threes and, and turn around post jumpers. There is no I support that Mello. other way I would rather end the pod than Duffy actually shouting out Mello. That's amazing. So for Subway Sports Talk, I'm Peter Kennedy. I'm with John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Villani, and Kyle Anderson. Another installment of the NBA Outsiders. And we got another one tomorrow. Just Duffy and I. Post-game reaction to the Blazers uh, and whoever else makes it into the play-in tournament. We're going we're gonna to hit it all. It's going to be great fun. Subway Sports Talk, thank you all for listening. As always, subscribe, rate, review. Hit us on Instagram at Subway Sports Talk or on Twitter at Subway Sports Talk, TLK. Keep enjoying that bubble ball, baby. It's been fun, and we just getting started.